I mean, we're, we're, we're all, and the, the fuck thing as well is that if we all have anxiety. That's a natural part of us. We one in six, mate. That, haven't you read the stats? <laughs> it's one. Well, if you're a tradie, it's I read like it. I've read, <laughs> read it when I was at a urinal there. It's, all, it's plastered all through the bloody bathroom. Well, I'd counter that with one in one people have 100%. anxiety. G'day, you bloody legend. Dan Allen on the microphone here. <laughs> and Ed Ross. We are the co-founders of Trademark. We're a couple carpenters by trade who dropped the tools and embarked on a mission to change the face of mental health in Australia by using bright and funky workwear as a way to start conversations and make an invisible issue impossible to ignore. We figured if we're going to get people to talk about mental health, well, we need to lead by example and show blokes out there how it's done. So what we've done is we've started Trade Mutt's 120 Grit Podcast, the podcast for the working class. So we're getting a variety of interesting people together and have insightful conversations about their experiences through life and their own mental health. Together, we're going to show people, especially blokes, that it's okay to talk about the hard stuff and encourage people of all kinds to do the same. If you've got any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a subscribe or a like on YouTube, Spotify, or if you want to get in contact, admin at trademark.com. Enjoy. This episode is a part two of a two-part series. Oh, really, part two of a two-part <laughs> series. Oh, wow. Thanks, Dan. This is part two of a two-part series with Nick Sutherland. And after the first episode that we recorded with him, we thought, you know, while we had him up in Brisbane, we'd better get squeeze one more out of him to get a bit more information. So in this episode, Sutho takes a deeper dive into common symptoms that we hear people in the trademark family struggle with. Two of the biggest factors that cause stress for many people tends to be finances and relationships. So what we did, we dove into these topics with Nick and we quickly discovered that it's actually our perception of success and happiness as well as the idea that things in our lives should or shouldn't be the way they are. We explore the idea that attachment is a source of all suffering, but what does that actually mean? So just to confirm, this is part two of a two-part. This is part two of a two-part series. Okay, right. I hope you enjoy, guys. Oh, But first, here's a message about our sponsors who make this podcast for the working class possible. QuoteSpec is the newest building and construction quoting app created and designed by a working builder. Produce job-winning professional quotes in minutes with QuoteSpec's cloud-based quoting software. Get your free trial at www.quotespec.com. And be prepared to get your life back. Why do I always get the tongue twister? You. Right, I went on here. You want some coffee, Rosie? Thanks, Derek. I appreciate it, mate. Delicious. Right, we're back. Episode 16 of Trademutt's 120 Grit Podcast, the podcast for the working class. And we're actually just rolled into uh, part two of the chat with Nicholas Sutherland from MindFit. G'day, Nicholas. G'day again. Well, the first one went so well, we thought, why not just go for another hour? Well, it was, it was a lot uh, pretty broad covering of my past and my background, what I've been through and then the work that I'm doing. So I think we all agreed that there was a great opportunity while I'm in the mutt hut to go through a couple of case studies and sort of um, give the listeners a chance to resonate and relate to, to some things that other blokes have been dealing with. I was running a, um, a dinner once a month for, for my clients, for blokes who were struggling and, and they'd all turn up at the first one and it was hilarious that by the end of it, they walked out going, oh, shit, I, I didn't know you were struggling with the same thing I was struggling with and you were struggling with, you know. Everyone's sort of walking around their own little worlds and everyone's also putting up these facades that says everything is okay, but in reality there's actually a lot going on in the background. So we've all got pretty much the same stuff going on. Sounds like they were pretty comfortable to realise that that was the case as well. Yeah, know? well, it was... It a was relief, a bit of relief. Yeah, it was a it was a safe space. We spoke about vulnerability before. We can touch more on that today. But um, yeah, that they they were they felt safe enough to be vulnerable because we we created a space for that to happen. And then so they all started sharing. And you know, I'm struggling with my kids. Uh, I got you know, little ones, and he goes, "Oh shit, mate, I've got the same thing. Have you? Oh, does this happen? Does that happen?" And then so it builds a bit of rapport. Yeah. yeah. So. A, a <laughs> Bit of a rapond. A rapond. Rapport. Rapport. <laughs> yeah, I know. Rapport. Oh, it mulled into the one, oh, two yeah. words. Well, so, yeah. I mean, the main the main things that we're always hearing, same thing like Danny Frawley, we touched on him yep. in the last podcast. And most of the blokes that Dan and I meet when we're out and about, uh, 
know, we'll do a talk or whatever. And there's always, a, you know, as you know, there's always one or two people to come up at the end and yep. have a chat. The brave souls. The brave souls. And uh, majority of them are all talking about either one or both of the same things, which is trouble with relationships mm-hmm. and troubles with finances. Mm-hmm. And they're normally fairly interconnected. Mm-hmm. And they seem to lead to l- lots of other things like, you know, substance abuse, I guess. Um or can do, you know, have yeah. a snowball effect. So if, if you're struggling in those areas, you're going to be what I call in suffering. And then to make yourself feel better, you're going to reach out for a coping mechanism, which is alcohol or drugs or something like that. So it's sort of cause and effect in that regard. Is it a problem that people, that perceived understanding of what success is, and that's why finances are such a problem for people when they have a lack of, of uh, you know when they have problems with their finances, that's why they're it's a breakdown for them, and it's something that they're ashamed of. Or is is it something else? It's pretty multi layered. It's it's not something you can just go. This is it. I mean, um, we we talk about the source of all pain being attachment and happiness meaning content. So we've, we spoke about member um, the avatar of Brian, who's a builder and he's got twenty blokes working for him, and then Dave, who's just sort of got his own handyman business. Swinging doors. Yeah, and, and Dave knocks off at 3.30 and goes fishing or plays golf and has l- less stress, And but he's content. He's content with his little tinny and he's you know, ute to his own since the 1984 and Brian up the road wants all the latest and greatest toys So yeah. and thinks that he has to have a massive bu- business in order to sort of fund all of that. So, yeah, when, when blokes come in struggling with that sort of stuff, I... I, I, I I start off with unpacking what does success mean to you Um, and if it's all about the external bells and whistles and all that stuff then we spend a bit of time um, trying to shake that up a bit and where are your values really, what's really important to you, You is your boat going to be there at your funeral, no, who is my mates and missus and kids so it's about sort of reprioritising again I suppose going back to that first fundamental and what's, what's really important and yeah, mon- money's a big thing, but it's it's not the source of happiness. Money doesn't make people happy. You know, the studies that are done and anything you want over $100,000 doesn't add to your happiness. And we are chatting with uh, one of your investors the other day and money's just a magnifier. So if you're, you know, you think about people who win Tats Lotto, the majority of them, their lives become worse off for having won Tats Lotto because... They don't know how to manage money. They don't value it. They don't respect it. It was just given to them and they didn't earn it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one. Um, do you think it's got a lot to do with this, as Ed touched on, this perception of success? And when you look around, look, the reality is is it's quite unhealthy com- to compare yourself to everyone else out there. Totally. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of people do that. And I think particularly... It seems to be in in the industry, in the trades and construction, and even the mining industry. There's a lot of that looking around and seeing what other other people have got and wanting to get that because to them that's what success looks like. Yeah, and that's human nature. I guess we always want more. We're never really content with what we've got. Um, you know, everyone wants the latest '79 series cruiser with the bells and whistles on it, and so or, or a Defender, or a Defender, or whatever. Oh, Defender 130. <laughs> They're not bad. Um, but that's the thing. Like, I've got a Defender 130 and I love it and it's my forever car. Um, but I'm happy with the way it is. I could spend 50 grand on it easy, you know, doing it all up and sticking everything on it. But I don't really need to. I bought a five grand camper trailer and that serves a purpose and that's all I need. So, yeah, like, you don't, if you keep overextending yourself, then you're going to come in you're going to need more money to fund everything mm. and you know, I've got a mate at the moment who's just just recently built a house on a big block of land in a very fancy suburb and he's not even a year into living there he's got to sell it because he can't fund it he can't afford it it's, it's impacting on the rest of their lives yeah well I mean that's also you know a common thing that Dan and I see you know young tradies like on, a, on apprentice wages, getting the flash car, yep. then getting through their yeah, apprenticeship, then getting the builder's license and starting to do bigger jobs and got to buy 20 grand worth of tools and it rolls on and rolls on and then they've got, you know, a boat or a jet ski and 
they got rent, and then they're going out every weekend, and then all of a sudden they're telling you know telling us how much they hate their job and wish they could go do something else, but they're sort of stuck in that financial rut then where it's sort of well you got to keep. I've got to keep. <laughs> I got to go to work on Monday because so, if I so don't. So with that, what's the problem? Is finances the problem, or is mismanagement and a lack of contentedness the problem? Yeah, well, that's exactly it. So they don't want to cause and effect. Yeah, yeah, they don't want to lose what they've got. Right? But so, so many people live so close to the line, so close to the edge that if a job isn't paid on time, uh, they just go into so much stress. Mm, and I know, and that's what's gets occurring all the time. But you look at you look at what they've got and. They don't have to live that close to the line. I know, but why are they, do you think? It's just because they're trying to keep up with the Joneses. So it seems to cause a lot of stress, but a content life is probably a stress-free life. Yeah. And a stress-free life probably looks like living within your means and, as we talked about in the earlier podcast, finding happiness within yourself first and foremost. Yeah, I love the expression to be unreasonably happy. And that means there's no reason for your happiness. You you can just be happy. You can just be content with who you are. And pe- people talk to me, like obviously I'm, you know, I, I love personal development and growing and getting out of my comfort zone. And people say, how do you do that whilst being content? And I, I've had to marry two different philosophies, I guess, and or two different beliefs. And the first one is uh, I'm at peace with being imperfect, right? Um, this version of me is... Nowhere near as good as the version that's going to be five years down the track. So I acknowledge that and accept that. But tomorrow is an opportunity for me to improve and to, to get better and to wake up and say, well, I wonder what today's going to bring. And so living with that sort of mindset frees me up just to just to flow through the day instead of fuck it, waking up and just switching on straight away and I've got to do this and I've got to get out the door and money, money, money and this, this, this. So to that end... It sounds like what presenting problem, finance being a presenting issue, is really just, I guess, the byproduct of not being content. And and the relationship as well, like that's symptomatic of a a person not being content and mismanaging themselves. It makes me think of, I hear so many stories of one of my friends, Hannah, was just recently in Ghana. They've got nothing. There's kids running in the street. They've got absolutely nothing. They play a game where they fold bottle caps up and they fling them into a little, you know, goal and they play soccer out on the in the dirt with bare feet. Yeah. But you just you could not wipe the smiles off their faces. Oh, yeah, because they, they go to community. They've done all the research on happiness is you know, little villages are the most happiest people you know, in third world countries because they've got family, they've got deep connections, they, they have little... In terms of materialistic things, but they have much in terms of internal you know, things in place. So it's almost as if they haven't been tainted by materialism, right? Yeah, we've no, got but I, yeah, but so I many they objects, they, but they live, live differently com- comparatively to us because we finish school and then it's like, oh well, off you pop and go do whatever, uni or trade or you know. And yeah. then you don't live at home anymore mm. and your siblings are out doing the same thing and you're sort of competing against them and making sure that, you know, when you come home for Christmas every year that you're not the one that are, you know, so-called not doing as well. So, But you can wait, step out of that. I know, but what I'm saying is is that, like, that's the bubble that yeah. people fall into yeah, comparatively totally. to living in a house with your parents and your brothers and your sisters and you're there every day, every night. Yeah. Don't, you don't care what they're doing. You're all living under the same house. Who cares? All the matters is food on the table. Yeah, we're eating and we're smiling and we're laughing. And if, you know, grandpa's sick or whatever, we help him out and just live happily ever after. But even that, like, yeah, I mean, what you said, you know, you said it. It's like you finish school and you go to uni or you do a trade. Mm, You're shafted out. Are they the only two options? Go travelling. Go travelling, get out, live, experience life. Yeah. Go join the army. Step in a pothole. Have a, have a <laughs> ah, my leg. Blow, <laughs> blow your knee out, and you yeah. know, go on a journey that has taken you to the mud hut today. Like but David Attenborough is gonna one day. Who? David Attenborough. Attenborough. Uh, yeah, Attenborough. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, Hugh Van Gylenberg, the, the guy from the Resilience Project. He, uh, I sat and listened to him one day, and he was talking about this this little Indian kid. Um, who found a red bucket and had a hole in it. So 
uh, we would have. Dis- I wish I had a red bucket with a hole in it. We would have discarded that as waste. This little kid found it, and it was just, it was just the best thing since best thing since sliced bread for him. It was, and he, he picked it up and he ran over to all the other kids and said, "Hey, do you want to play with this bucket?" And the semantics around it was really important. Hugh didn't touch on this, but listening to it, I was like, "There's the key to this kid's happiness right there." He didn't possess the bucket. He didn't say, do you want to play with my bucket? I found it. It's mine. He said, do you want to play with the bucket? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is very simple but very deep as well. And when I did the Vipassana meditation retreat, like sitting silent meditation for 10 days, they kept pounding into us like less me, less my, less I. And you think about how often we use those words. It it is all ego. It's all ego. You know, we're, we're talking about keeping up with the Joneses and the facade and everything, that's ego. That's money, it's, it's linked to ego, it's all it's all back to ego. Yeah, so. but it's, it's like that thing we've been talking about lately, and I can't stand it. It's like, oh, you know, you guys busy? Ah, oh, busy, you know? <laughs> I'm so busy. You had to some party, everyone's busy. If you're not busy, then you mustn't be doing something right, you know what I mean? It's well, just yeah, like... On my podcast... Does my head in. R- Ryan keeps taking the piss out of me. He really called me the, the sultan of still... Because I, I, I'm talking about the opposite. I try and be as unbusy as I can. I came back from Thailand with the philosophy to live life as slowly as possible. I don't understand this concept of a rat race. Why is everyone in such a rush to get to the end? It doesn't make sense. You're not here. You're not present. You're not experiencing. And when you're not experiencing, you're just living in the reality of what you think should be happening instead of accepting the reality of what is happening. Then you probably miss it when you get there anyway. I read it. I got a meme that got me like a couple of days ago. I saw it on Facebook. It was Snoopy and like whatever the other character is. Yeah, Sullo shared it before. Is that the thing about, you know, um, you know, what are you doing, mate? (laughs) You only only live once. He goes, no, we we only die once. We live every day. Yeah, it's a cracker. It is good, isn't it? Ripper. And that's the thing. Like it's... Rossi's always banging on about how people, I don't, he doesn't think, People know that they're going to die. I know it sounds dark, but like, no, I don't think people do. Stoicism, um, is the, there's memento mori means that you two uh, are going to die. It's a daily reminder that you will die. So people initially tend to see that as a bit of a morbid thing. But then if you look beyond that, it's actually, you need to learn to live, be afraid of not living instead of being afraid of dying. It's, it's, Every day is a reminder. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Yeah. So I think it's if we can stop living in the future, that's where anxiety stems from. Stop living in the past because that's where depression comes from and try and live in the here and now. It's just things tend to go away. We don't tend to have all of the emotional disturbances. Mm. I feel like experiencing suicide is a real, you know, real hardcore reminder of that. You know, I think it. What do you mean, experiencing suicide? Well, because then you're gone. Knowing someone who has suicided or taken their life or yep. losing a loved one to suicide. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a stark reminder. In my experience, was a real like reminder of you know, yeah, well, what are we doing here? Without that, you know, you, we wouldn't be sitting here, would we? Exactly right. Exactly right. But it's a real reminder that you know you you do live. You know, you got every day to live, right? And it's just so you, you do get attached to. I mean, we talk about finance. We started with finance yeah, and relationships, yeah. but we've dived finances down to to this now. You know, what's more important: looking good and having all the bells and whistles, or getting home and spending time with your kids and and having a, a, a an in depth discussion with your wife um, and and growing a, a relationship and like. You know what the best thing that happens is yeah. that I just love blackouts. <laughs> you know when there's a blackout and you've just it's all there's nothing except the people that you're with. When was the last time you consciously switched your phone off for a while? Switched the phone off. Yeah. Certainly not um, on a flight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I text all the way. No, I'm joking, I don't do that. Yes, you do. All right. <laughs> No, uh, well, when was it? It was like the year did, before we started. The year before we started Trade Mart, yeah. so two thousand end of two thousand seventeen. Yeah, uh, I think it was like three or four months. I did no social media, just killed everything off my phone, yeah. and I wasn't using it at all because it was like a point where, uh, like, 
my wife, well, my then girlfriend, and your I your ex girlfriend, ex girlfriend, no, no, my no, Lance when yeah, we were going out, yeah, your wife, yeah, <laughs> true, true. Uh, we it was like one day I can't remember where we were. We were out at for dinner or something, and I was just like, this whole phone thing's got to stop. I mean, I'm coming home from like I'm home from work, and I'm on my phone, and then she'll get home from work, and then she'll be on her phone. I'm just like, this isn't working. Mm. I was like, we'll just both cut it. Like three, I'm pretty sure it was three or four months. Can't remember exactly, but I was like, we'll just cut it and see what happens. It was fantastic. Imagine, but he loved it. Imagine going back to a flip phone. Yeah, a, I mean, why do they still use flip phones in movies? Have you ever noticed that? Even in modern, you're movies watching now. old movies. No, 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 no. <laughs> modern movies, they are always. You know, in the Hangover, they're using a Motorola. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're an idiot. Why have they got a BlackBerry? <laughs> they seem to still use flip phones. It's the no. effect. They do. Okay. Yeah. Right. Anyone out there that can get evidence of that, please send it through. I'll get evidence so, of that. So, when, when was the last time you switched off your phone? Well, I can't. I can't pinpoint it. So, so, so long enough. Remember. Long enough to not remember. But I, I think if... But I do keep it on silent 24-7 because I do not want to hear it ping. Yeah, but it's, it's still different because it's, it's, it's still connected and such. So it's really good and, and once again all the studies are showing that going away for a weekend and, and digital detox is so important and so healthy. Mm. Uh, get into nature, get away from the technology. It's, it's well, I think... but. Uh, yeah, again, the, but like people try and do that. And you see it all the time, but then they'll be like Instagramming the whole thing and they'll be videoing it and it's like, pics to prove it, you know. I didn't walk up this mountain at daylight unless I sent through a photo on Facebook. I love to quote, confidence is quiet. And if you're, if, if you're grounded within yourself, you don't need to go looking for outside approval. And I think that's a big sign. If you catch yourself Instagramming the shit out of your whole entire life looking for likes, then... But then, sh- there's studies behind that. It's like then that's a red flag. The people that are putting up heaps of photos of them in a relationship with someone yeah. are normally the ones that are in a pretty bad relationship. Yeah. It's <laughs> like when I was at the Gimpy Muster, the I'm not saying week. that's for everyone out there as well. I'm no, just saying that at, at the Muster, Brad, Brad Cox and the band were up on stage and they stopped in the middle of the thing and started to do this real, you know, heartfelt talk about trademark. The band were wearing the shirts and he was fr- friends with um, Dolly Everett. And, I'm a big like believer, you know, this whole thing with taking videos at gigs when you're at the gig, mm. but it's like, mate, like be there. Just be there and enjoy it yep. and like tell people how I'm gonna like. watch this back at a later but date. But when he started, I was like, Holy shit, like he's talking to me now and like like us here. I was like trying to get my phone out because I was like, God, I've like I've got to record this. <laughs> but like, you know, it was a mix of like, man, I've got to watch him but Shit, I've got to get my phone out. I'm trying to listen to him. I'm like, oh. But if it was just a conversation between the two of you, you wouldn't have felt... No way. <laughs> I know. And I don't know what came over me. Well, I kinda ha- I kinda it's a fear of I'm, I'm not going to I'm not gonna witness this moment again. It's, right. a, it's that attachment. Yeah, and like I thought about it afterwards. I was like, you dickhead. Like, why did you even bother getting your phone don't out? Don't beat yourself up, mate. No, I mean, I don't. But it was like, you know. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> but like I guess, Red flag. But I guess, I guess it's an example <laughs> of like, you know, just being in yeah, the moment. Yeah, enjoying right, exactly. that and like... You know, yeah. Obviously, I got how much it meant out to me through my buddy poem, but like, mm. you know, it was just yeah. I thought it was a good example of great example. Well, let's talk about some of the amazing people that we've met mm. through this little collab we've had on the Geo for a while. Yeah, uh, we've met some great people have come come through, and you know, we've hooked hooked up with yeah, yeah. So we obviously came together eighteen months ago, or whatever, and. Went around and did a few. Unfortunately, did a few uh, co-presentations to trade industry colleges and guest speaking and that sort of thing. And um, yes, yeah, th- through that and and through just people knowing that you guys are raising the awareness and I'm sort of creating that education element to it. They've they've come to me through through the trademark funnel. Um, and these are blokes out in the bush that are struggling with drought, and these are guys that are you know fly-in, fly-out workers. These are um, just just your average tradies who are just st- stuck and struggling. So um, I thought we could talk about a couple of them today, and and it might r- some of the things they were struggling to deal with might hit home with some listeners. Your mum and dad. Um, <laughs> yeah, the listeners. <laughs> just did we come up with alias names? For no, I think people? Dan will be cool. Yep, cool. Dan, Dan's loud and proud. Yep. So, um, we we went to Camo Wheel. Camo Wheel. Rockland <laughs> Station. Are we allowed to say that? Well, it's out there now. <laughs> I guess so. Got to put up with this every day. And what were we there for, Ed? 
We were there just, uh, well, they thought we were there shooting some sort of cult video. <laughs> but oh, they anyway. got us up there to, 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 to speak at the, yeah, uh, they did. They at did. the, at the yeah. 2018 cult challenge, mm. which was cult awesome. Challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And we met so at, we, yeah. All the, all the different stations for this one company came together for the cult challenge and a bit of a rodeo. There was country and western music, mm, both making favorite kinds of music. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, we got up there and then we did a bit of a, we, you guys got up and spoke and then I got up and spoke and. We didn't realise it till a couple of days later where I got a phone call from Dan. He's like, hey, mate, I um, drove four hours from Mount Isa to, to Camerwheel to the dinner um, and just because I heard that there was something happening there relating to mental health and I'd been struggling, so I just wanted to see what it was about. And his friend at the time took him out there as well um, and he goes, yeah, everything he said hit home. It all resonated and I, uh, I need to stick my hand up and ask for some help. And I was just like, you fucking hero like, you're an absolute legend yeah and so that, like, that was over 12 months ago and he uh he'd been working in a mine um he lots of bullying bastardization similar but different to, to what i experienced in the army um and so he'd left that and he'd start up his own business as a fabricator because like a lot of tradespeople, i'm a good trader that means i'm going to be a good businessman as with a lot of traders, that's not the case, and the same as with Daniel. Um, so he got himself into quite a lot of debt and was just working 18 hours a day and just really, really struggling. Uh, struggling in his relationships, he was lots of alcohol and you know, suicide thoughts and just just completely toxic version of himself. Uh, so when we do the three rings of mental, physical, nutritional health, he was, I think he was about a 7 out of 30 which is one of the lowest of bad. Um, and we've sp- we spent a good 12 months deconstructing him and then reconstructing him. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of highs and lows through that. Um, two steps forward, one step back some of the time, and but, but kept progressing, kept trending in the right direction. And then recently uh, his brother, who works in a mine, said, hey, do you want to... Because he shut down his business. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so he, he wanted to sort of open his business again but needed some cash behind and needed some capital. So he'd worked with a few other blokes um, th- and that hadn't panned out. So his brother said, come and come and work in the mine again. And he's like, oh, and he rang me and said, look, there's this opportunity. Do you think I'm in good enough headspace to do it? And I'm like, yeah, let's have a chat about it. And sort of I think if we could we do it sensibly, I think it's going to be no problems for you because cause I hadn't heard any red flags in, in the way that he was speaking for a while. So, um, long story short, we I, I drew up a mental health care sort of plan for him where we were going to check in every two weeks via Skype um, and wrote a letter and his GP wrote a letter as well and it was a really bad letter, like didn't help his situation. He went through a job agency as well and the job agency didn't get the paperwork to the employer quick enough so they flew him down to Adelaide, started work, and then five days later he was on a plane home. Um, uh, the, the, it was amazing when he rang me, and, and we had no idea this was going to happen. He rings me and he's laughing a bit, and I'm like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, mate, they've, uh, they've let me go. Five five days into it, and they reckon they're overstaffed, and uh, I don't know why they would have flown me down. Oops, sorry, we didn't mean to employ you. Yeah, oh, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... I was and I and then I just switched my, my ears on. I was really sort of listening to where his head was at, and and he's like, "Mate, it's it's uh, it's I'm not. It's not about me. It's it's about them." He said, "I was I was really open. I, I wore my trademark shirt. I'm like, yeah, but I've had, I was very open and upfront. I've had some mental health issues in the past and some struggles, but I've worked into a really good headspace and and just just admitting and owning." which I believe is so healthy and important, having no sense of shame around this. Uh, I've had struggles because we've all fucking had struggles. Um, and to, to be so forward-thinking with that worked against him was a real disappointment, but he didn't take it personally. And he said, I, I want to use this as an opportunity to make sure that someone who's in a worse headspace than me, because there's so many dudes in the minds that you know aren't diagnosed at the moment, but it's just, it's just not recorded, so they... They're still working. 
Um, he said, I want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. So I had a meeting with, with the place that employed him today and we're going to look at doing some mental health training and education in there. And that. So to me, that was a real sign of how far Dan's come. And, um, you know, he came to your first birthday. and He's a legend. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've come really close to him through all of this and yeah. uh, I, he called me after that happened as well and I know exactly what you're saying like he yeah. was kind of laughing on the phone and I same thing for me I was like oh well he sounds better than I've <laughs> ever heard him you know because but that comes back to that ownership piece right and that and being content taking responsibility in like but he, he wasn't attached so the two philosophies we work on is the source of all pain is attachment mm. and the law of nature is that everything is impermanent so in this, his career in that mine went for five days. Pretty impermanent. That's that's very impermanent. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but but that, but Dan's practicing these philosophies every day, so he didn't get attached to thinking that he should be there any longer than five days. In an ideal world, yeah, he would. But the reality is, you've got no idea. You can't control so much. Yeah. Well, I mean, any any other person that hasn't you know, un- hasn't learnt what he's learnt, would have flown off the handle, told him all to go and get ripped, rung you up and said, this guy's a complete arsehole yeah. and, you know, really world's toxic. against me. and Really toxic. Mm. Yeah. yeah. With regards to Dan specifically, um, maybe you don't want to talk about this, but, like, you'd say that he had some mental health issues. Yeah, and his mental health issues deteriorated, deteriorated in his mental illness. Yeah, for sure. So, he, he but... To Dan's credit, he did the work, man. I, I had to challenge him. I had to, you know, pull him apart. He had to, he had to put himself in, in a situation where he was so vulnerable. Um, but this is the payoff. You know, same with me. But for the record, I mean, yeah, as you said, Dan came to our birthday party, and we've, you know, hung out with him a few times. He's come into the office, come, come, you know, say g'day. He's just. A normal dude, yep. right? There's nothing. Well, I've seen photos of him in his. Uh yeah, I mean, apart, <laughs> apart from the fact that he's yeah rocked some some pretty nasty photos, rocking <laughs> trademark shirts. But he's he's an interesting one. So like he, you know, he got into doing uh, like a lot of running and triathlon stuff. Yep. Uh, and it wasn't just because I think a lot of people out there just sort of, you know, again, sort of picture this whole mental health thing of you know having to sit there on your, you know. Having a meditation for six hours a day and have the <laughs> have the sparrows you know <laughs> going around your head, Ace Ventura stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's everything else around it, isn't it? It's looking after you, you know yeah, what well you're it's eating. Those and, three and circles, exactly. But and, I mean, and, but people just yeah, people just think it's probably just one and not the other. Well, yeah, people don't understand how how we're affected and how our moods and feelings are created. Mm. That they're just byproducts of all the choices that we make. So, you know. Dan got into all that stuff because first fundamental, I have to prioritise myself. I've got to prioritise my mental and physical health and make sure I'm fueling myself well. We get away from alcohol, stop needing a coping mechanism. Let's get into some self management, and this that's hard work, man. Like every he was meeting with me once a week, and so he's like coming to the gym once a week and seeing a personal trainer. But then he was going and training on his own in this mental health, taking the hard path um, every day, multiple yeah. times a day. And yeah. so that's how easy it is to work on our mental health. There's so much stimulus occurring, whether it's a thought of ours or whether it's getting fired or whatever the case may be, a bill coming in. That's all just stimulus. And, and in the past, Dan was taking the easy path and going to that destructive thinking. Yeah. And it took him, yeah, three months of hard, intense training to now have his automatic response going to constructive thinking. So that whole story for me kind of highlights one major thing the whole thing about Dan and that whole part that kind of doesn't bother me in the slightest like that's awesome because of the place he's at now Mm -hmm. right that's really cool but what it does highlight is how much of a lack of understanding there is around mental health on the on that workplace side of things and how it's for them it's probably such an unknown so much so that they're scared of it and when you're scared of something it's just like I got something to add (laughs) so uh I don't know if I've told you this or not, but the uh, no, I think I have told you this. The other day, there was uh, a, a close mate of ours uh, works for a big uh, commercial company. We'll stay unnamed, and uh, he basically went to them and said, "Oh, look, this is what these guys are doing. It's pretty cool. I would love to, you know, get some on the staff." Oh yeah, this does roll off what I was saying. And uh, <laughs> basically, oh, I was head, 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 like HR or head of HR or safety or whatever. Basically said, look, great idea, but 
really don't want a lot of people, you know, talking about mental health that aren't really trained in mental health. You know, we don't really want people talking about who's, it. Who's trained in physical health? <laughs> this is my, but this <laughs> anyway. is my thing, right? And I just, I just replied back to him. I said, mate, I said, well, their case in point is the entire problem. Yeah. I said, if, if we can't, you know, get around talking about this shit on a daily, yeah. we don't need to be Professor Bloody Dumbledore to talk about this stuff, you know what I mean? Like, just just let's have at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, that, and, and to Dan's... <laughs> Professor Dumbledore. <laughs> and to, Probably to, a bad example. To Dan, you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> to, to Dan's former employee's credit, I got in touch with them and they agreed to have a meeting today because they want to become less ignorant in, the, in those inverted commas. You know? And I said to them when I turned up today, this isn't about Dan. We can't change that. Dan doesn't want it to be about Dan. Dan's okay. Dan's moved on. Uh, this is about how we can help your company to improve mm. and yeah. to become a better company. And but, yeah. they were open to that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's and that's awesome. I mean, how good is that outcome? Uh, but it's it is funny that there are people out there that have have, have got that mindset where it's like, oh, we better oh not God, have, we what better if not, I say the wrong we thing? We better not have those guys over there talking about this stuff. Um, that's the mental health thing again. It's uh, it's buried. It's, it's yeah, it's just dig a hole and stick yeah. a head in there, and yep. yeah, just cover it it's over horrible. a bit more. No one, no one should ever have mental health. <sighs> but I mean, it's it's like you look at you know it's. I I get the reasons why in the media that they don't ever mention suicide. I yeah. understand that that the reasons being that they you know are fearful of encouraging you know similar mm. occurrences. Mm-hmm. So well, they never they never mention it, but they always say. Yeah, but it's if like this, anything. If this brings up any issues for you, call Lifeline. And that was the whole that, reason. That's why the we, rollout. That was why yeah, we yeah, sang it. song. But it's not. It's it's. Well, I, but this is the thing. It's like currently. I know we don't talk about statistics, but hey, the situation around suicide ain't great. I don't know if saying the word suicide is going to make it much worse at the minute, right? Yeah. Well, am I? Yeah. Well, my. So why tiptoe around it? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like this whole, yeah, like yeah, safe space, but it's just like let's just be, let's just talk about it, you know? If like, you're scared of the word mental health, are you going to try and stay far? And, and I talk to clients about it. you can't change something if you're holding it at arm's length because you don't have access to it. So unless you embrace it and own it, then then you can access it, then you can change it. Yeah, yeah, it's in, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's interesting because I see some of the people that struggle the most with it are the ones that are obviously pushing it away. You know, yeah, it's like I don't want to have anything to do with that. Well, and that's fear again. Mm. So fear is an irrational thought that leads to an irrational behaviour, and we see it every day. It's irrational for people to walk around not admitting that they have mental health because if you've got physical health. You've got mental health. If you're alive, you've got... You know. So it's irrational for people to not think that they <laughs> what have mental we health. What yeah, but it comes back to education. It does. Doesn't yeah, it? That's all it is. And that's, so that's why I'm trying to take this different approach where instead of attending to the symptom and trying to reduce the symptoms of anxiety and depression, not getting people in a position where they, they have to experience that. I mean, we're, we're all, and the, the fuck thing as well is that if we all have anxiety... That's a natural part of us. We one in six, mate. That, haven't you read the stats? <laughs> it's one. Well, if you're a tradie, it's I read like it. I read, <laughs> read it when I was at a urinal there. It's all. It's plastered all through the bloody bathroom. Well, I'd counter that with one in one people have hundred percent. because you you said, I said it the, it on best. the other day. Yeah, so if you're busting for Lou, I'm anxious. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's funny. So well, <laughs> well, no, <laughs> no, it's not meant to be funny. I'm meant to be serious. Like yeah. that is like. like you, you know, anxiety. That's an anxiety of sorts. I'm going to pee, there's a fear I'm going to pee my pants. <laughs> I am anxious. Well, you said it the best around anxiety and depression. Me? Oh. Sorry, Sullo. <laughs> anxiety is worrying about things that haven't even happened yet. Depression is worrying about the past. Yeah, things you can't change. The things you can't change. And there's that point in the middle where you're not worrying about things that haven't happened or have happened. You're just in the moment. Yeah, so uh, we need anxiety because it's, uh, that fight flight it, it protects us, and that's anxiety is just a bodyguard. But when we use it in the wrong place and to the wrong degree, that's when anxiety becomes an issue. So yeah. for me, I I wasn't self managing. I couldn't protect myself emotionally when I was in the army and had all that treatment that I had there. So anxiety <laughs> took over and rescued me. Agoraphobia was my anxiety keeping me safe from the outside world. 
and so it's amazing in that regard. Yeah. But um, it wasn't helping me to move forward and move on. So I had to I had to do some work on reducing. One the of the one of the other big things that we hear a lot is people that reach out through our socials or when we're out doing you know talks or whatever, and they're like, "How do I you know I know someone's struggling. How do I help them?" You can't help someone until they stick their hand up and ask for help, basically. Which is the cha- biggest challenge with the whole thing because loved ones and mates and everyone can see it. Oh. You can't take ownership over someone else's oh, happiness. Yeah, right. But you can help them in a way that is not straight up helping them. So it's, I guess it's more from the side. Um, being vulnerable, and that's how I help people, is being vulnerable, you know, sharing my story and, and putting that out there. And if, if you see that someone's struggling, if you see that they've gone a bit quiet or that they're more angry or they're drinking more or they're gambling more, or if you see some of these red flags, instead of going, oh, go, mate, you fucking stop that, stop doing that, you need help, go and, go and get help. That's just going to – we don't – as humans, we don't like being told what to do. So it's, it's like trying to lead a horse to water. You can see that it's dying of thirst. You can't make its tongue work. You're saying you're thirsty, but you try and slam its head in the – trough it's not going to work yeah so you can go hey mate hey hey tracking uh yeah good yeah no everything's great there's a facade okay cool it's just interesting because i've i've noticed x y and z you can just gently reflect things to people and they may even not be aware of it they they may genuinely believe that they're okay because they're in it they can't see it happening so if you gently reflect it without judgment without telling them that they're doing anything wrong it's an opportunity for them to go away and, and have a think about it and go, yeah, maybe he's right. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'm drinking too much. I didn't even notice. Okay, what's going on there? And then if they come back saying, mate, you're fucking spot on the money. Yeah, I, I noticed it because I did the same one day and, and I went and got some help and you know, I went, went and spoke to someone professionally about it and and we understood that that was actually a coping mechanism because I, I, I was really struggling with this other stuff in my life. And that's it. And once you sort of... That's that's hold, that's opening and then holding a space of vulnerability, and you're giving them permission to then be vulnerable yourself. And you guys have done it. You know, you you share your story at a, at a presentation. How many blokes start opening up to you? No, oh, it's well, all the time. It's always you know three or four people that come up. But yeah. that's the thing. I mean, one of the things that I always try to not drive home, but you know, it's yeah, exactly that. It's like one of the best ways to allow someone else to open up is kind of. You know, talk about some of your own struggles and dramas yourself. Oh, it's part of our conversation tip. It's one of our tips, yeah, for well, sure. As soon as you do it, you're giving them permission to speak as well. Mm. So, there's doing it in that way, um, and then there's supporting them if if they don't acknowledge it, if they keep their head in the sand. So, I think I spoke earlier about five keys to change, and the first is having awareness that we need to change. Second key is. Um, accepting that we need to change and a lot of people will stay in denial and bury their head and say no nah, no nah, I'm right no nah, we spoke about this when we do presenting and mate your, your bloody bones hanging out of your leg no nah, it's not no nah, no nah, I'll just walk it off you're not going to walk that off pal but you can't tell them so it's not a problem until someone says hey I have a problem doesn't matter what you can see doesn't matter what you know it's not about you it's about them and what they believe do you think a lot of people out there uh, feel like they're going through some stuff or struggling with some stuff, but they're not actually sure how to rationalise how significant or how bad their situation might be because you can't see the bone hanging out of yep. the leg. Yes, yeah, so another client of mine, Ryan in Swan Hill. He, uh, G'day, Swan Hill. G'day, Swan Hill. Ryan's a cracker. He was sort of the original MindFit client, I guess, and all the programs are sort of based after working with him. Uh, and... We he hosted a, a night up in Swan Hill. We he was got a lot of mates together in a pub and had. A oh, that's right. Yeah, that was not long ago. It was just yeah. year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Six, six months ago. Or so, yeah. um, and Ryan was a ripper because I said to him, "How on a scale of one to ten, how were you? How happy were you when we sort of when we first started working together?" And he said something really interesting. He goes, "Mate." I'd convinced myself I was probably a three or a four, but in reality I was dropping off a zero. And so he'd created this illusion through a false belief system that everything's okay if I just one foot in front of the other and I just keep going, she'll be right, mate. 
but the reality was far. He was in a shocking position. So we're about to bring it full circle here because what Rossi talks about about people saying, "Oh, I'm busy, I'm busy." Rah rah rah. Do you think when people are in those situations where there might be an issue going on, underlying issue that is starting to appear, it's easier to make of course it is because they don't want to sit still, keep busy to distract yourself. Yeah, from, well, it's, it's, from a, that. it's a coping mechanism because of the fear of of stopping and slowing down. Everything is falling down. I'm going to have a breakdown. It's it's just a fear that people just have to keep going. And um, we'll call him Jared, uh, the other client. That we we talk about, he he is a builder, um, going hard at it, and he got a business coach, and it got too big too soon. Didn't have the foundation there, uh, and it all just sort of imploded. And when I got hold of him, he um, he he was struggling. Like Ryan was couple of months away from losing his business couple of months away from having a divorce couple of months away from ending up in a psych ward um like it was it was that real for him jared was um just kept pushing 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 and he he couldn't see that his business had died and he was he was still doing cpr on it and it was just wasting sort of energy he couldn't let go uh, because it would mean he failed and yeah, he, he thought that he'd, he'd put his family in jeopardy and there was all this guilt and shame and, you know, put us under all this financial pressure and just beating himself up, and which is all understandable but can be avoided if if you know some other things. Yeah, yeah. So, to his credit, though, you know, a couple of weeks into it and he's he let go, he's going through a process and he's, he's going to close that chapter and he's going to come into a new chapter really healthy and, and all the better for having been through what he's been through and... Now that's a credit to him because once again he's he's doing the work. Hashtag do the work. You know what I love an abs like I love a I don't know if redemption story is the right word, but Rocky. You know how many people out there after getting down and getting back up? Getting down and getting back up. How many people like, song do you constantly see who have been to the to rock bottom? Yeah. To a place where you think shit, you know, that's... Yeah, but most of the people we've had on this podcast are exactly that. 100%. But I mean, the best one I like of recent times is Steve Smith. Like, I talk about him a bit, but it's a bit of a different story. But, you know, still on a public scale, like people who have been down and publicly just... Yeah, that was definitely, yeah. Well, that's exactly what we talk about all the time. People don't know what another person's rock bottom is, and that would have been his, Mm -hmm. you know. There's nothing worse that could have happened for him. He lost the captaincy, got kicked out for a year. Yep. Shocker. Pretty big deal. Huge deal. All, all in the public eye. But no yeah. one's really talking about it. Everyone's at the moment is now talking about how incredible he is for, for you coming look at, back. Um, Michael Jordan, all the mm. infidelities and stuff. Tiger Woods. Mike Tyson. Ty- Mike Tyson. Britney Spears. <laughs> Britney Spears. <laughs> Tiger. She's Britney Spears. <laughs> I think for me, Tiger Woods is probably the biggest one. Oh, you know, where it, it still owes uh, me two hundred dollars from that. For winning the Masters, he, he bet me that he uh, never made a bet major. a couple of years ago. He never win another major. So two hundred bucks, Tiger Woods wins another major. Still hasn't paid yeah. me. <laughs> Only the interest on that, and I'll eventually pay him. <laughs> but that's a massive example, like huge. You know, he lost. Uh, okay, he didn't lose everything financially. Oh, fair hit though. Yeah, he coughed a whack. That mug, <laughs> that mug shot of him. Yeah. really told the entire story. But he lost his family, he lost his kids, and and it was all because he was so hell bent on his definition of success wasn't to go home and spend time with a loving family. It was money, 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 money. Be the best, be the best, number one, number one, number one, and yeah, and have one hundred and fifty-four well. affairs. That's all good and well to get you to a certain point. But, the, but he was so, so similar to Ben Cousins, and he's a tragic story of someone who's hit rock bottom and can't get back up because uh, they've got that personality where they're just so driven, it's it's all or nothing, and there's no balance in that. The Ben Cousins one in, is interesting, I though, feel like because there's it's far like less of those stories. Sorry to cut you off. There's well, less of those stories is, than, yeah. than, than the other. But, I mean, the, but the Ben Cousins one, you know, from a mental health mm. pro, mm. where what is going on there? You know, like it's just. Hey, I think that's more. Um, I think that's more bi- biological than anything. I think that uh, there's, there's, you know, like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and th- these mental illnesses that can't be reversed through improving mental health. I think Ben's um, experiencing something to that degree. I'm not, I'm not 
he's just, or anything, but, but he's just living in his own. Yeah, he's just false still, reality. He's still in, in so much pain, and he's self-medicating with all of these things. And yeah, I, my heart goes out, and I really feel sorry for him. And you're right; it comes back to, you know, he's clearly not ready to help himself. Yeah, that's a gleaming example. But he also there may be an underlying mental illness which is creating an inability for him to help himself. And when we're talking about mental illness, we're talking about significant mental illnesses yeah. that, you know, take far more work and, and medication than you just go, you go back to talking about change. So mm. it's first the awareness and the acceptance, but then you need the knowledge and the tools and finally the capacity. And I then is probably still in denial. He may not even. He's got the awareness. He has to have the awareness. He's probably in denial. He probably hasn't gone into full acceptance. Um, he may have part acceptance because he's gone into rehab a couple of times, but he doesn't have the tools. He doesn't have the knowledge, and he certainly doesn't have the capacity. So yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. But there's, change. but again, there's you know there seem to be far more redemption stories and and you know people hitting that rock bottom and and. Yeah, but you know. for anyone out there listening that wants to reach out, well, that's the right step. You know what I'm saying? Well, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to, <laughs> acceptance is the biggest part of it. Like, get rid of the shame. If you if you don't own and embrace that you're struggling and stick your hand up, then you know, Ben Cousins is a classic, you can't lead a horse to water and make a drink sort of thing. It's, it's, he's got so much support, so many people have tried to help him, but he's just hell-bent on you know, running himself into the ground. Too true, mate. Well, I've actually really enjoyed this chat. Yeah, it's been good. We could we could go on Easy. and on. Do you need to get to a flight? I do. I've got to, I got to start uh, warming up the arms. So, again, if anyone wants to hear more of Southo, uh, the Woke Blokes podcast, available on all platforms. Get it in your ears. Get it in your ear holes. And if anyone wants to get in touch, either reach out to us or directly to yeah, hello, yeah. hello at mindfit.com.au, email... Just uh, through the social, sliding up in my DM. Oh, yuck, mate. Well, I'm sure someone uh, out there would have got at least something out of that. I got heaps out of that. I love yeah. that chat. Personally. Yeah. Oh, I think I think that Jared and Dan are two examples of hundreds of blokes. Like my, my practice used to be probably 80% women, 20% blokes. In the last 18 months, because of the focus work that we've been doing, it's, it's flung around to 60% blokes, 40% women. Oh, yeah. So that's a positive, massive, massive, positive, massive. Yeah. and the majority of them are tradies coming yeah. through the door guard. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I need some help. It's awesome, love it, mate. Thanks so much Thanks for so coming in. And, Thanks, uh, boys. Keep not, up the good work. Not going to be the last. <laughs> no, sorry. You. You've been listening to Trademutt's One Twenty Grit podcast. To watch it online, head to www.trademutt.com, or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at Trademark. Thanks for listening.